All right, today uh, we're going to look at uh, being politically correct or lack thereof, uh, so to speak. Uh, if you know me, <coughs> I'm not so big on being politically correct. That's why uh, at least three quarters of every service is spent with my wife like this. So uh, I, I, I uh, consider myself to be um, me. That's who I am. I'm me, you know. And uh, when I came to the church, you know, I've got a history. I've got a past. We were talking about in the Bible class this morning that, um, you know, you can, you can kind of go where God has, has gifted you to go. And uh, I couldn't go to a lot of churches. A lot of churches wouldn't have me. Um, we talked, Heather and I was talking just the other day. We had, uh, where were we at? We went somewhere and it was, uh, I, anyway, I made the comment. I was like, they definitely wouldn't let me be their preacher. And so uh, that's okay when I came here. Um, I told the, the people that we were starting to plant with, and we prayed about the plant for a year before we ever did it. And uh, I told them, I said, you know, I love Jesus. They knew me. And I said, you know, I, I, I do what I do, and if I sin, you call me out on it. But one thing I ask is that please don't ever ask me to be somebody else. You know, the, the suit and tie deal or talking correct deal. You know, I'm just a country bumpkin redneck, you know, from Landrum, South Carolina. See, Landrum, South Carolina. I was, on, I was in a Facebook group that said, uh, this is how you know you went to land dumb. <laughs> and I was actually the first one to respond. I said, when you start a group called, this is how you know you're from land dumb. That's how you know you're from land dumb. So uh, I say all that to say this. Look, God doesn't need any one of you. God doesn't need you to be spectacular. God doesn't need you to be extra special or sharp. Or He doesn't need you to be anything. He just needs you to be in love with him. I, I bring all that out to, to bring out this point. I want to talk about, I want to give you an idea of what the Bible speaks to politics. Because we're in this political driven society and especially right now we're we're coming down to nominations and presidential elections and all of that stuff you know uh, I want to give you a little insight on what I see in the scriptures now this is a huge topic and we'll be able to broadly cover some of it but I want to give you some I want to give you some things to think about as we approach this presidential election and as we just think about world uh, government and politics in general I want to give you some specifics on the scriptures and, and how does Jesus, uh, how does he interact with the, with the governmental system of his day? You know, we can, we can get insights on how Jesus interacts with that. How did the early church interact with the, with the government of the day? You know, should we be extremely involved in politics? And, and, you know, I see all this stuff on Facebook right now because in this time we're in of year right now, this, this period that, that everybody's pushing an agenda or pushing a, a, a certain politics politician or a certain, uh, you know, Republican, Democratic, all this kind of stuff. And, and I see all the, the common core stuff on the, the schools and, and all this push to, for educational and these leaders and these boards and these, we need to do this. We need to surge. If you're a believer, then you need to come out. And, you know, is that, is there some legitimacy to that? Is that overkill? You know, should, what, how should we think about that? And as we've went through this series called The Awakening, we've looked at some things like that. We've looked at <coughs> some hard issues and what we've tried to do is we've tried to say okay here's an extreme position over here here's an extreme position over here nine times out of ten or 99 times out of a hundred the truth is usually found where in the middle 
In the word, absolutely, but in the middle. Because uh, we tend to, as people, we tend to get on our soapbox and whatever our agenda is, whatever our opinion is, we need to say, everybody needs to go this way. Or everyone needs to go that way. And if somebody doesn't agree with you, you don't like them. You separate and segregate them. And uh, what we call that is worshiping yourself. Because if, if somebody doesn't agree with you or look just like you or talk just like you, you don't want to have anything to do with them. Basically, if they're not like looking in a mirror, then you don't want to have any relationship with them. Basically, you are worshiping yourself. Today, I want to look at three things, <clears throat> and there are several different scriptures I could go to, and uh, I may reference several of them. I may only just, just cover one or two. I just, you know, I decided this week, I, I've been kind of down, if you can tell my voice is kind of going, pray that the Lord holds it together, but I just kind of was talking to the Lord this week, and there so, this is such a broad topic, and there are so many avenues that I could go down. I was like, Lord, I've got a bunch of stuff here. I'm just going to let you lead, and we'll just go. We'll just, wherever he goes, we'll follow. Does that sound good to y'all? So uh, the first verse I want to get to. And we're, kind of, we're going to kind of piggyback off of last week. And if you weren't here last week, I'm sorry. But it won't be that big of a deal. It's not like you had to be here last week. But last week we talked about do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And we looked at three things last week. We said uh, a lot of Christians say that we should be segregated from the world, meaning that we should be completely separated, no interaction with them whatsoever, right? And then there's another half of Christianity or this Christian culture that would say, no, actually we need to be integrated into the world. So Romans 12, 2 on the segregation side says, do not be conformed to this world. And then, but the other side, the integration side, which means that we should just buy into the world. Don't tell anybody that they're wrong because you can have your truth and I can have my truth and we can all live happily ever after. Uh, they would fully integrate with the world and nothing is off limits. They can do whatever they want to as long as we get them in, as long as we can develop a love relationship with them. They would cite uh, maybe 1 Corinthians 9, 22, where Paul says, I became all things to all men so that by all means I might win some. And so they would say this means that we have to just look just like them, do just like them, just fully integrate in. Nothing's out of limits. Nothing's uh, uh, out of bounds. Nothing's off limits. Just marry into the culture so that you can do anything. But we said, well, I don't think that it's really segregation or integration because of John 17 that says, I'm leaving them in the world, but they are not of the world. So we made a distinction, and there's a reason I'm, I'm making this, drawing this back out, is because I want to look at that not in the world, I mean, not of the world, but in the world. He, if you remember in John 17, Jesus Christ made a distinction between the world and the believer. He said, I am leaving them in the world, but they are not of the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to protect them from who? The evil one. So he made a distinction between the world and the believers. And so today we're going to kind of define that distinction and then look at it. We're going to say that Jesus Christ made a distinction now because he speaks of the world in terms of believers too, or, or just all people. Let's not say believers, all people. You know, when Jesus said, uh, for God, or when God said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So he, we see that the world can mean the world of all people. Or when Jesus says they are not of the world, it can mean this thing of this fleshly appetite, this worldly system, uh, this, this type of uh, thing that's not of God. 
It's in contrast to God. It's in contrast to the kingdom. It's in contrast to the people of God. So <clears throat> we are in the world, but not of the world, meaning that there is, a, there is a distinction between the world and the kingdom. That's the distinction I want to draw out right now. Because Jesus Christ in John chapter 18, uh, verse 36, make, says this. Okay, now this is right after John chapter 17, where he is making a distinction between believers in the world, and now he, and he made a distinction between himself and the world. He said, they're not of the world just like what? I am not of the world. And I drew a little bit of the original language out there and said, that of the world or from the world, that's, a, that's called an ablative. And it's an ablative of source, meaning that in the original language, you don't really need to know that. But what it means is this, is that what he's saying is, we don't come from the world. We don't get our energy from the world. We don't derive from the world. Our, the world is not our source. We are from another place. We are motivated by something else. We are held together by something else. We are pushed by something else. Our goals are completely other, is what he means when he says, they are not of the world just like I am not of the world. Jesus Christ was not of this world. He was what? Transplanted into the world from outside, you see. So if you're a believer, you're not of this world. You're transplanted from outside or reborn inside, but you are from somewhere else, okay? We want to define that a little bit today. <coughs> excuse, excuse my voice, I'm sorry. So in John chapter 18, as we move through and we watch Jesus, what he's going to find is, is that his disciples at this time, their mind is still trapped in a worldly perspective, their mind is still trapped in a worldly perspective, and they still operate within, within the world system. That's how I'm going to phrase it today, is that Jesus Christ would make the distinction between a world system and the kingdom of God. The world system and the kingdom of God. When I say world system, I'm not talking about all the people in the world and all that type. I'm talking about the way the world operates. Governmental systems, fleshly lust, uh, selfish ambition, greedy appetites. This is the world driven. Anybody of the world has a different goal. The goal of serving who? Self. Even, even the things that they do for others, it still comes back to self. But those who live of God, of the kingdom, are driven by Christ and a love for Christ, not a love for self, okay? So he's going to make a distinction between worldly systems and the kingdom of God. Is this making sense so far? Okay, now, they are still, the disciples are still operating under a worldly system and the perspective that comes from that, meaning that the way that they were living before in, in the world and being of the world, they transferred that mode of thinking as they became disciples of Christ, and Christ is trying to eradicate that type of thinking. That's exactly what we're going to talk about today. Listen to what Jesus Christ says in John 18, 36. And, and your wheels are going to have to be turning. Uh, you know, this is not going to be fluff. You know, this is, I want to teach you some things. I want to teach you how to look at the world and how to decide. This is what I'm going to do today. And these are decisions that I'm going to make out of, out of this reasoning and out of this place right here, the scriptures, okay? So when John... When Jesus is speaking in John chapter 18, making that distinction, we have, this, we have this, this, this statement that he makes, which draws this line. And it says here, 
Let's go back. Terry knows I'll do this. So John 18, 33, let's read a little bit of this, what's going on. And then we can kind of, we can kind of uh, see some context to this. Now, Jesus Christ is interacting with the governmental system of his day in this exact same moment. So as you interact with the governmental system and how to think about that, think this is what Jesus said as he's standing before Pilate, who was the ruler of that day and the decision maker, a judge, so to speak, that he was going to make the ruling over Jesus. So starting in 33, <clears throat> he says, so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him. So he's in the judge's chambers, so to speak, to make a little bit of a parallel. Are you the king of the Jews? See, they were worried about this political power that may be uprising against them, and his name was Jesus. Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? And Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. Now, what Pilate just said was, was he claimed something about Jesus that Jesus wasn't necessarily claiming about himself. You see, Pilate could only see things from a democratic or a public point of view, so to speak. Are you of this nation or that nation, this political party or that political party? Where do you identify yourself? Are we still trekking together? We're making sense here? Jesus says this. After he said, am I a Jew? Your own nation. So he, he, he put him in the category of being in the Jewish nation on that earth. Okay? One from this Israelite nation. <clears throat> Jesus answered him. He said, well, let's go back. Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Question mark. Jesus answered, my king, here it is. My kingdom is not of this world. That's going to be extremely important today. My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom, he said, you're, you're a king of the Jews in the Jewish nation. He says, hold up. My kingdom is not of this world. In other words, I'm not trying to overthrow you here. Let's keep on going, though. Don't worry too far. My kingdom is not of this world. If, if my kingdom was of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. Somebody should say Amen. This is huge. This is huge for how you should interact with your government. This is huge on how we should think about how we are to relate to those in government, how we are to go about changing the world, how we are to go about building the kingdom. Whose kingdom are you trying to build? <clears throat> Jesus says very clearly, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. We don't do things like you do things because we don't have the same kind of kingdom. We're not working toward the same goals. We're not after the same things. We have different ideas about how the world should work. You're safe where you are. I don't need your government. My kingdom is not of this world. Now I want to set this up. And out of this, <coughs> I want to bring out 
I want to look at three different perspectives. Three different truths. I want to look at this right here. Okay, now let me say this as a disclaimer. Mickey likes to do disclaimers. I'm going to do a disclaimer. You have every right to whatever opinion you want. I really don't care. I don't care what your opinion is. You shouldn't care what my opinion is. We need to know what the Bible says. Now, I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to tell you what I think the Bible says. If you don't agree with me, I would love to sit down with you and you show me where I'm wrong. Because I promise you this, I don't know about any other pastors. I'm not them. I'm me. I will give you my word. You come to me with the Bible. Don't come to me with your political agenda and all of this ranting and raving. I don't want to hear that. But you come with me, you come to me with the Bible, and you show me in the Bible where I'm wrong, and I'll change. Word. Okay? All right. Now, what I want to do is I want to make three statements, and I want to show you from the Word of God why I think that these are absolutely right. The first statement I want to make is that Jesus never, in all capital letters, sought to overthrow or redeem the world system. Jesus in his ministry never sought to overthrow or redeem the world system. Jesus never came in and said, Okay, Pilate, you got it wrong. Okay, Caesar, you got it wrong. Let me show you how to operate the government so that the world would be okay. Can you find that in Scripture? You ever seen that before? Now, does that mean that he completely pulled back and bashed all government? No, we don't see that either. See, that's the other side of it. Some people say, we've got to be involved. We've got to get in there. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. We've got to change the government. If we could just change the government, everything would be okay. But then you got this whole other group that says, I'm not paying taxes. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to buy me a piece of land, and I'm going to get some guns and a fence. Come with it. You know? Is this right? No. We're going to get into that, too. But I will make this statement, and I believe you, you should... You should hardly ever use the words never and always. But I've searched the scriptures. Heather says I exaggerate on stage. I don't think I'm exaggerating. If you can find it, please come and tell me. I want to know the truth. I cannot find a place in the scriptures, not one, where Jesus seeks to overthrow or even redeem the government. Well, that's so funny. That doesn't wrong. I'm going to keep on going anyway. <laughs> hey, man, it's Valentine's Day. Don't do that to me. John 18, 36. My kingdom is not of this world. He makes an absolute distinction between his kingdom and the world. Let's look also at Matthew chapter 26, 52 through 54. Because uh, his, his people, they didn't get this yet. They didn't get this at all. And they are doing like I think some of uh, today's Christians do. And when Jesus Christ was, uh, was being arrested, when the government, now it was the government. And sorry, I sound kind of like a three-year-old schoolgirl. When the government came after Jesus, they didn't realize what Jesus was teaching. They didn't realize that Jesus Christ had said, my kingdom's not of this. They didn't get it yet. They wanted to take out the sword and say, no, I'll fight till the death. Just like what? The worldly system. If somebody attacks our government, what do we do? Oh, no, you didn't. You know, I got a tank. I got some nuclear warhead. You know, we're going to kill somebody, right? <clears throat> this was what they understood. You come at me, I'm coming at you. I'm going to kill you because you're trying to kill me. 
We don't find that in the scripture, not from Jesus. But what we do find is him rebuking someone who did this. Okay? Now you think about this. Matthew chapter 26, verses 52 through 54. <clears throat> Say this. Let's go back a little bit, Terry. <laughs> they were coming to betray Jesus and arrest Jesus. And we're going to start in 50. Jesus said to him, friend, talking to Judas, friend, do what you have come to do. We're like, they can't do that. It's wrong. They can't. No, they can't. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus is like, do what you came to do. Come, do it. They were falsely arresting him. They were accusing him of things he did not do. They were going to murder him through a false trial with false accusations and falsified evidence, all documented, made up stories. The, 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 the justice system was completely on its head and they were coming to get him with no reason whatsoever. Pilate even said, I find no fault in this hand, so I wash my hands of it. But the system didn't work. But the, when the system came, Jesus said, friend, do what you have come to do. Why? So that the, the scriptures could be fulfilled. He said, friend, come and do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on him, on Jesus, and seized him. And behold, one of those who, were with, who was with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew out his sword, and struck the servant of the high priest and cut his ear off. Now, that would have been crazy, right? I mean, just imagine if you got your ear cut off, right? You would be screaming. How would you be screaming? Ah, ah, right? I would have been. I mean, I can't hear out of my left ear now. But what does Jesus do? Now, let's, let's compare that to John chapter 18. He says, if my kingdom was of this world, what? My soldier, my men, my people, they would fight so that I wouldn't be arrested. But when Peter drew his sword and cut the guy's ear off to do war like the world had done war, what did Jesus do? He grabbed the guy's ear off the ground, I'm imagining, and he puts it back on his head. And he heals him. And then he says this. Now, you'll have to turn over to another account of this because it doesn't say it in this. But No, let's, let's keep going here, but I'll show you one other thing in just a second. He pulled his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. I wish I had all day because that right there is huge. You want to try to wage war like the world wages war? You will die like the world wages war. I'll show you a better way here in just a second. Put your sword back up. We don't do things like that. He said, do you think that I cannot, this is Jesus speaking to the one who just cut the guy's ear off. He said, put your sword up. Do you not think that I can appeal to my father and he will at once send more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that, I must, that, that it must be so? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? See, he was saying that they have no authority over me. Any authority that they have over me is granted to them by the Father, and we can trust the Father. I could at once call 10,000 legions. I could call legions. I could call all these angels, and he had just, they were just vanished, vaporized. 
but I'm not doing that because my father has a plan. I have a plan. We want to fulfill the scriptures. And so Jesus says, stop doing things the way the world does them. We do things the way the father has called us to do them. And he's picking up ears and putting them back on. And he's doing it to you all the time. He's walking around you just picking up ears that you keep cutting off. And he's just putting them back on. Because we refuse to live as Christ and we want to live in the world and do things as the world does things. There's a better way, guys. There's a better way. And he says, put those, put those back on. Now, in Luke 22, 51, I, I, this is the same account, but I want to draw out one thing that he says there. Luke 22, you can turn if you want. It'll be on the screen. <clears throat> Luke 22, 51, listen to this. Let's go back to 50. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Jesus, uh, But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. No more of this. No more of this, guys. No more waging world as waging war as the world has waged war. We don't do things like the world does things. We don't get all wrapped up and violent and angry and, and belittling people and arguing with people over political stuff and over, over this silliness and that silliness. If you want to get involved, whatever. We'll talk about that in just a second. But who do you live for? Where is your source? Do you think, do you think if the wrong person gets in office that it's going to throw God's plan off? Do you think that the president has that much control? The president of the United States, I don't care who he is, he has no power, no power except what God has granted him. And I'm going to tell you right now, you as a believer have just as much, if not more power, depending on whether or not he's a Christian. Because I'm going to tell you right now, all he can do is sign papers and say this and lie about this and maybe tell the truth about that. But let me tell you something. When you walk into the room with the power of God, when you walk into the room bringing the Holy Spirit with you, you have the power to set people free for all eternity. You can change the world. The president can't do that. He's got nothing on us. He's of this world, this world. Let them do what they want to do. What you do your worst. I know one greater. I know one greater. Do you? Do you? I know one greater. Jesus says, I know one greater. I know one that has all authority. Peter, if I wanted that guy dead, you have bad aim. <clears throat> if I wanted him dead, he'd be dead. But my kingdom's not of this world. So we say Jesus never sought to overthrow or redeem this world system. Now, I do right here, I want to say one other thing. Does he completely back out of and, and demolish or diminish or demoralize? Does he ever speak evil of it in, in a way that a lot of Christians nowadays, nowadays do? Does he do that? I don't think I don't think so. What I think what he does is is that Christ, if you if you look at the teachings of the New Testament, you look at the teachings of Jesus, Jesus is basically saying, look, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give give respect to the authorities. They're there because God placed them there. Work within that system. If you have the right to vote, then use your brain. Go vote. <laughs> you know, if say, if a president if there's a presidential candidate, now this is my opinion right here, okay? I'm going to just step out for a second. I, you know, this is me speaking. I'm a one-issue voter on several different issues. I really don't care what he 
talks about as far as this policy and that policy. I don't got time for that. I got to study my Bible. I've got to play with my kids. I've got to love my wife, especially on Valentine's Day. But I'm going to tell you right now, if, if a presidential candidate says, I'm, I'm for killing babies, I cannot vote for that guy. I cannot. Why? It's not because I'm with this political party and this issue and that issue. No, it's because God's word says it's murder. You see, I'll vote. I think it's a good thing. Vote. Do your homework. See which one might be the best for the country. That's great. Don't be stupid and just say, well, I'm just moving to a compound. Get out. Do some homework. Vote. That's great. Vote. But don't you ever think that's going to save the world. And ask yourself, why are you voting? And what's your ground? What's your basis? And what's your desired end result? Is it to put money in your pocket? Is it to save the economy because you want to keep up your current lifestyle? Is it to make sure that uh, illegals can't get into the country because you know this is our country and we can't have those dirty people in here? I'm just asking questions now. No, you know, you do you you think how you want to think. Whatever, it's your brain, not mine. I'm just I'm just telling you. Ask yourself, why do I vote this way or that way? Why? Jesus Christ never looks to overthrow or redeem this world system. Number two. The early church never sought to overthrow or redeem this world system. Now, when we were talking about Jesus, I did skip over one of the verses I was going to read. It's in Matthew chapter 22. And the reason I want to show you this is that Jesus, <coughs> Jesus was very clear. Oh, you should have let that play for just a minute. Listen, in, in Matthew 22, listen to what it says. I don't have a lot of time to, to spend on this, but this is really, really good. When we get to talking about Christians and we get to talking about the world, what, we're, what we want to talk about is the image that we bear, the image that we bear and the identity. It's really all about identity. So people get all up in arms when the Republican Party is attacked because they find too much identity with the Republican Party or with the Democratic Party, or with the whatever, you know, the common core stuff on school. Is this, are these things that we should be looking into, and should we speak out if we have a platform and we can do it peacefully, you know, according to the Scriptures? Yeah, maybe so. I'm not, I'm not saying that all of that's condemned. I'm not, you use your judgment on that. There's room for Christian conscience. But what I'm talking about is, is that when we come all up in arms and we get crazy about it and we start condemning people over some type of political stance, listen, it's about identity. Where do you find your identity? Do you think they can take something from you, right? Do you think that they can take, they can't take anything from you, not the things that really are really important. Listen to what Jesus says. <clears throat> they tried to trap him and him and in, the Pharisees and, and all these other idiots. They tried to him him in and they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, teacher, we know that you are a true, <clears throat> we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully and you do not care about anyone's opinion for you are not swayed by appearances. Now that was the truth. They were saying the truth. They were trying to build him up to set him up for a trap. They said, we know that you don't, you're not swayed because you don't care about an opinion and you don't care about appearances. And that word for appearances is faces. We don't, they, they're, they're saying that you're not moved by political power. Okay, You're not swayed. You're not pushed. Right? You're not lobbied. Okay, You're not pushed or swayed anyway. And Jesus looks at them and says, they said, Jesus says this, 
Uh, no, they keep on. They say, tell us then, this is where they tried to hem him in. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? They were, trying to, they were trying to hem him in so that they could have a reason to arrest and kill him at this time. And so they were hoping he would say one way or the other, no, never pay taxes to Caesar. That way it would be a means to arrest him, right? Or yes, pay taxes to Caesar, but then that be his identity and he's been swayed, right? So that Jesus has a, a, a perfect answer. He said then, he says, but Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. Let me see that coin. He gives him the coin. He looks at the coin. And they brought him a denarius, and Jesus said to them, Whose likeness or inscription is on this? Whose face is on here? Whose face is on the coin? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, therefore, render or give to Caesar all things that are Caesar's and to God all things that are God. The government wants you to vote. Is that working within the political system or within the world system without being contrary to the word of God? Go vote. Pay your taxes. Don't cheat. Don't lie. Don't steal. Work within the system. Take the advantages. Work out whatever you can. Be smart about it. But pay your taxes and give to them. What's then? Why? It's because we don't, that's not our source. But now let's move on to the early church. So I think I've shown you that Jesus Christ in no way, <clears throat> at least in what I've shown you here, if you find it, you come and tell me. Jesus Christ does not try to redeem culture or overthrow, I mean, world system or governments. He doesn't try to overthrow them or redeem them. He said, look, that's what y'all doing. I'm doing something completely different. My kingdom is not of this world. So we look and we say the second thing is the early church never sought to overthrow or redeem the world system as well. The early church never did. I won't spend as much time here, but I want to show you a few things. Look at Acts chapter 4. <clears throat> Look at Acts chapter 4. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here at all because I want to show you the last thing, and I think the answer to all of this, okay? So I'm going to spend about, about two or three minutes here. And it's not keeping you from anything because, I mean, a lot of this is... It's uh, self-recognized. You can go and look at this yourself. Acts chapter 4, go and read the whole chapter, okay? But I want to show you a few things here. <clears throat> when the, when, when uh, Peter and uh, the other disciple were proclaiming Christ and they were, they were talking about Jesus, they were preaching the gospel, and people were being transformed and renewed and set free. And it was really like they were challenging the government of the day, like they were going to take over. But, but Peter wasn't about that. He wasn't trying to overthrow the government. He wasn't trying to change the government or redeem the government or the political system of that time. He was preaching Jesus Christ to build the, building of, to build the kingdom of God. I about brought the whiteboard out here so that I could draw one column over here that says the world and the other column that says the kingdom. You see, we are not to try to redeem the world. The world is broken. It's busted. It's going down. Second Peter 3.10 says that it will be destroyed. The world system and all of the powers of the world and the flesh and, and all of these things are trying to do to fix it. It's going down. You can't trust it. See, that's what a lot of people are trying to do. They're trying to redeem the system. We got to fix it. We got to fix it. We got to fix it or we're going to die. No, it's going to die. You, governmental systems and politicians make terrible saviors. They're nothing but liars and letdowns. Jesus is the Savior. 
So what we're trying to do is not redeem the world system, but build the kingdom, drawing people out of the world system into the kingdom. And so as we see Peter <coughs> doing this and preaching Jesus and having this effect, if we look right here in 4.4, it says, but many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000 that had been saved and transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, taken out of the world and placed into the kingdom of God. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem and Annas, the high priest and Caiaphas and uh, John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, said to them, rulers, now there it is, rulers of the people and elders. He's speaking to the rulers. He's speaking to the governmental authorities. He's speaking to those who are in a political position. He says, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all of the people of Israel, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. Jesus Christ is the answer. The gospel is the key to healing a broken people and bringing people out of darkness and into light. No government can do that. By him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was reject, rejected by you, the builders which have become the cornerstone. And there is salvation. Here it is. Now, you want to know about being politically correct. He looks at the political rulers of the day. He looks at those in political power. He looks at the government officials. And he said, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now check this out. Here's where I want to ask you, are you here? As you go about your life. And as you do interact with politics and school boards and everything else, would they be able to say this about you? Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. <clears throat> and they, here it is, here it is. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. Okay. They were doing their thing. Hot up in here. They were doing their thing. Preaching the gospel. And they were preaching such a powerful message that the rulers of the day pulled them to the side and said, you've got to quit doing this. You're going to overthrow us. You shut your mouth because you are taking attention off of this system and putting it onto this system. They were, men were getting saved by the thousands. And they looked at these uneducated men who didn't have all this political power and this guy, and all this, all this prominence. And they were scared. You know why? Because they recognized that they had been with Jesus. 
You want to make a difference in this world. You want to make a difference. Can we get Clay or somebody? Can you play? You want to make a difference in this. I'm going to tell you how. You go and you vote and do your homework on all these other things. Do, do, do all of that. Praise God. Do it. But it ain't going to make a difference. Not really. I mean, I want you to go vote. And you, you make a look. You want to know how to make a real difference. You want, to, you want to know how to really, really effectively change this world. You want to know how to make, a, how, how to make such an, a powerful impact that the ripples of that power would be felt for generations to come. You want to know how to do that? You walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You walk and you talk in the name of Jesus Christ. You let it be said of you, that man walks with Christ. You, be, you let it be said of you, he's a man of prayer. He fasts and seeks the Lord daily. And when he opens his mouth, the word of God comes out of it. Let me tell you how to make a difference in this world. Now, let me tell you something. You might not like this. <clears throat> My wife perked up real quick right then. I was uh, having, I was watching and kind of, typing a little bit here and there a Facebook thing the other day <clears throat> well I saw this guy he made this statement he said I don't believe that, that Jesus has any business in schools I don't believe that Jesus has any business anywhere along with all the other religions I think that's ridiculous and he said this, he said, all of this brainwashing going on and stuffing stuff down people's throats. He said, that's ridiculous. All of these kids shouldn't be bombarded with this and with that. I'll tell you right now, and this is what he said, and I'm, I may misquote a little bit, but this was the idea. He said, all of this junk, I, you better believe that I'll never do that. If I have kids, I'll let my kid make their own decision. I'll let them judge for themselves what is right. I'll let them look at everything. And I'm not going to force anything down their throat. I'm going to let them make their own decision. Because we all deserve to make our own decision. Now I was like, I want to type. Oh, I want to type so bad. But Heather's voice was in my head. Don't do it. I didn't. <laughs> But I got to thinking. Ooh, this I got to thinking. Okay, look, you want to make a difference in the world? I'm going to make a difference in the world, even if my voice goes completely out. You know why? Because I taught my son about Jesus. You know what? This is what I wanted to type to that guy. This is what I wanted to type. You go ahead. You throw your kid out in the world. You go ahead. You let the world decide what your, your son or your daughter is going to believe. You go ahead. You throw them out amongst the wolves and you see what happens. You just send them out. You let that little child make a judgment call who knows nothing about anything. And you let them make this huge decision in life without any say so whatsoever. You do that. That seems awful foolish to me. You go ahead and send your, your kid out into the world. I'll tell you what. I'll send mine out in hopes that it reaches yours. I'll train mine to come get yours. If you won't do your, if you won't do your job, then I'll do mine. You want to reach the world? 
You want to reach the world? You love Jesus with every ounce of your being. And I don't care who gets in office. They can't stand what we bring into the party. They can't touch the power that we live by, right? You effectively pour into your children. And all of those who won't pour into theirs, you see, on the way to school, I take Titus to school every day, and I'm working on the other ones, they're young. On the way to school every day, you know what? And I can say every day, me and Titus, we grab hands and we hold hands. And I say, son, let me pray for you today. Sometimes he prays and sometimes I pray. And we pray for mommy that mommy has a great day. And we pray for Ezekiel and Asher that they have a great day. And we pray for Titus that he'd have a great day. But you want to know what else we pray? We pray that the Lord would just send somebody in Titus's day that he can open up his mouth and change a life. We pray. I pray, Titus. I pray, God, give Titus the opportunity to make a difference in the world. Give him an opportunity to speak life into some child's life. So you know what, guy, whoever you are, you send yours out. I'm sending mine after him. You throw him into the ocean. Mine's coming with a lifeline. Is yours coming with a lifeline? Are you coming with a lifeline? You go vote. Go do that. But this world's going to hell. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. It's a sinking ship going down. All you can do is do what Jude chapter 1. It's only got one chapter. Verse 23 says, save others by snatching them out of the flames. You want to make a difference? Go vote, whatever. You want to make a difference, you preach Jesus. You live for Jesus. You walk and talk, eat, sleep, and live Jesus. Everything. Are you a spoken Christian? Are you walking in the power of God? Are you say it or do you walk it? I ain't got no time for just saying it. God forgive me when I just say it. Guys, let's walk it. We'll flip this world on its head. As we all stand to our feet. Whew. I didn't have no voice for this sermon. Listen, I think that there's room in the scriptures for us to live within the world system. And, and let's get out there. Let's vote. Let's look at the, the person who loves Jesus. And let's give him our vote. Let's give him our vote. Let's look at their issues and let's, let's get out. Let's, let's do. We can make a difference. We don't, we don't want to just put anybody up. But listen, there's a lot more scripture I didn't go over. But Romans 13 says that God institutes those who are in authority. Whoever gets in there, the Bible says very clearly in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 to honor the emperor. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says pray for those rulers and those kings. You might not like them. You might think that they're awful. You might think they're horrible. You might think the one we got in there right now is awful. But pray for him. Because God's doing something through him. You think he got there by accident? You know, like God's like, darn it. That one slipped through me fingers. No. God had some reason for him being there. I don't know what it was. I'm not a prophet, you know. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Listen, pray, seek God, study the issues, go vote, get on the school board. Great. Don't think it's gonna, don't think it's gonna heal our nation. Proverbs 33 says, 
the nation that has God as its God is the nation that's blessed. That's not going to be a nation of, of geographical significance. That's going to be you. You can effectively change the nation by being the nation of God, the kingdom of God, you see? Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. You are not of this world. Where are you from then? You're of the kingdom of God. What, is, what does it say? It says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You want to effectively reach the world. You spend a bunch of time with Jesus in the kingdom. And then you bring it to him. You bring it to him. Bring Jesus. As the lights go down and as I pray, we're going to open up the front here for uh, a time of response. And I want to tell you, I love you. I'm not against you. I'm for you. But you will not make a significant difference in this world living a half-hearted faith. And neither will I. And I am guilty from time to time, I promise you. Let us band together, brother. Let us walk. Let us walk with the Lord. Let us talk with the Lord. Let them look at us and say, we recognize that they have been with Jesus. Then you will make a difference in this world. Amen. Jesus, thank you so much. Pour into us now. Let us respond correctly to your word. In Jesus' name. Come. Do what God is calling you to do.